Welcome, everyone, to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode number four. We're going to be joining you every week to talk IT career, news, and opinions based mostly on our points of view. I'm your host, John White, on Twitter, at VJourneyman, joined by my co-host, Nick Cordy, at NetworkNerd underscore. Hey, Nick, how's it going? Hey, doing great, John. I want to make sure everybody knows we're, we're both VMware systems engineers, and our topics are definitely going to have a data center slant. Hopefully, our career discussions will be relevant across the disciplines and remain timeless. Also, if you're enjoying our content, definitely drop us a positive review on iTunes or wherever you subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, you can tweet or DM at NerdJourney on Twitter. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey. To virtual enlightenment. So let's take a trip. Awesome. So that's four times we've done that intro, and I have yet to think of anything else. <laughs> Maybe that means that we don't need to. Oh, yeah. That's true. You don't, you don't mess with what's working don't mess until you with get it. a better idea. Yeah, that's true. You know, always be iterating, Nick. Always that's right. Always be iterating. This would be the fourth iteration. <laughs> exactly. Great. So let's get to topics. We're going to be talking about how company culture affects your career choices. Um, and in addition, we're going to be talking about resume writing. Um, oftentimes, uh, career advancement sometimes means changing a, an organization. And sometimes even just applying for a job internally means having a resume. So we're going to do a segment on resume writing. So let's get to our first segment. How does company culture affect your career choices? And um, I wrote down some choices here. Uh, joining, staying, advancing, and leaving. So I had kind of framed my thinking around this uh, question, um, you know, mostly... It, the first two, right? Uh, joining a different organization, uh, or or staying at the one that I'm in. But you know that that's maybe a little bit nuanced. Like you know, advancing, you know, usually is a is a form of staying within the organization, and leaving is definitely making a choice to leave, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And you know what, John? Why don't we back up just a tad and say what we each think company culture is. Like when when a when a place says they have a great culture, what does that mean to you? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think that there's always stated values, um, observed values, which are not always the same things as stated values, and uh, you know your relationship with uh, your immediate team, right? Um, because sometimes there can be an overall uh, company culture that's very different from your immediate team's company culture. Oh yeah, that's good. I didn't think about that. Mm -hmm. I would also say that atmosphere plays into it, right? Maybe the office environment in general. What is the overall mood? Is it kind of a an eclectic bunch of people that you know you can get away with decorating contests at Halloween, or is it? very formalized and you know we don't do fun things because we're not fun people mm. right right does your does your culture include a, a spectrum of uh, 
people and uh, and uh, activities outside of just work. Right. And some companies have a dedicated culture committee. Hmm. I've been at companies like that where, you know, we'd maybe go out to a baseball game or have a, a potluck luncheon f- to celebrate the Super Bowl where we had a, a soup competition. You know, everybody bring soup and we'll vote on the best one and you get this special little trophy. It's called the Super Bowl. S-O-U-P-E-R. <laughs> nice. And you did that around end of uh, January, February? Mm-hmm. That's oh, terrific. Yeah. It, what's interesting about that particular competition this past year is my wife made Oreo balls, and <laughs> everybody voted for my wife's Oreo balls, <laughs> even though it was a soup competition. She brought the, <laughs> I, she had me take those out of dessert, and so that, that was actually voted the winner. So I got this trophy from the Super Bowl, but never actually made soup. Great story. <laughs> Oh, but fun. fun culture. I mean, yeah. that was just so much fun. And, you know, the CEOs in there with us voting on it and mm-hmm. counting votes. So, yeah, you can you can be at places where it's actually a lot of fun to be around the people you're with every day. And, you know, what do you do and how do you consider company culture if you're somebody who doesn't work in an office environment every day? Mm. You and I have a home office in our respective domiciles. So yeah, not the same home office. No, 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 no. I was I was trying to separate the two. Right. On diff- we're on different sides of the country. But how does company culture affect guys like us? Yeah, that's a really good question. Very I mean, I'm question. not saying you have to have an answer, but it's just a thought. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I, I mean, I think that company culture can extend to field people, right? Um, I worked at a wholesale distributor with the field salespeople and, you know, how often they got invited back to the headquarters with, you know, people who were pretty remote, you know, being paid to fly in and stay in a nice hotel and, you know, build, uh, you know, have teamwork exercises and those kinds of things like that, that was important to them. Right. So that's part of the company culture. And I would say that's, that's the same for me now that I'm in a field position how often does, you know, my manager pull the team together or have um, meetings, you know, as a team uh, and and build like our special brand and internal bond, right? Yeah, that's good. So if you're joining a new company, how would you get a feel for the company culture? Is that really just kind of talking with people who work there and what their experience is? Is it reading up on the company's website, maybe watching their promotional videos about, about culture? Cause there are some out there, you know, companies use their culture to attract new talent. I've seen that before. Yeah, definitely. I, I think that the importance, like how prominently that's placed and how important that is to recruiting new people is a telling part of that company, right? Um, so if someone says, listen, I, you know, one of the, the number one things about, you know, working for this company that I enjoy is the company culture, like that's, that's pretty telling. Um, you know, that could be a teammate that's interviewing you, that could be the hiring manager that's talking about the company, um, you know, at, at any 
given stage of, of that discussion. It could be just somebody that you happen to know. Um, I think that this is, you know, one of the things that you can do is, you know, network building. Um, I think that we haven't really talked about that as a part of career advancement or even just, you know, career, even if you're not advancing, if you just want to be better at what you do, I think mm -hmm. building a network is important. So if you're thinking about joining a company, one of the things that you should do is, you know, have somebody that already works there who can tell you about the culture. Um, and that's important because they can tell you about the overall company culture, you know, the culture on their team, maybe even, but then maybe they might have some insight into the culture on the team that you would actually be joining uh, to give you a warning or to give you an enthusiastic thumbs up. Right. <laughs> right. Yep. Could be either one. Never know. Yeah. Or and, somewhere in between. And, you know, back to what we were talking about in a different podcast, the questions for the hiring manager and HR person, you, you can ask, you know, the, the hiring manager, about the culture and hopefully get some, some straight answers. I don't know why they would have a reason to lie to you, but <laughs> some of some of your questioning can be around the atmosphere and the culture. Definitely. 100%. Yeah. And, um, I mean, I think personally, you know, it started out for me, like I had a list of goals that I wanted as part of a new job. And that was, you know, smart people that were smart, in ways that were different from me um, and a desire to learn, right? And mentors and mentees. So, you know, if that's not important to the company, then that is kind of a, a indicative of company culture, right? Yeah, we, yeah. Don't, we don't really pay for training. Uh, we, don't, we don't really have you training on stuff or, yeah, we don't really have like an official mentorship program. It's kind of a, you know, informal back channel, you know, you won't see it on any handbook, you know, or, Oh, you want to mentor somebody? We don't really have a way for you to participate in that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, th these are all, <laughs> these would all be strikes, you know, and they're all, it's all things that I heard as I was going around talking to other companies and, you know, people at other companies, even if I wasn't uh, in an interviewing process. So, um, I mean that, just says something about the company, right? Yeah, and that's a good point. You know, it's kind of like I used to tell my high school math students back in my teacher days. It's about exposure. You know, if you haven't seen the way this problem is solved, you might not know how to solve it. But once you've seen it a time or two, you that becomes part of your database of possible methods. And it's the same way with exposure to the company culture aspects. Maybe you didn't know that the mentoring aspect of a of a company is a thing. Hmm. Maybe you, th maybe you thought that the only way to get a mentor is someone else in the community who does what you do. Right. Right. Yeah. And maybe that's if, an oversimplification, but no, I, I think that that's that, you know, people don't think about like a formal mentoring relationship that's sponsored by the company. Right. Or I think it's interesting in your case, if I understand correctly, your manager actually had, um, maybe an informal program for mentorship of people that were joining his team, right? Mm -hmm. And you were assigned a mentor on the team. Now that might not have been an official company program, but it's really important to the team 
And as a result, you could talk about that as part of team culture, right? Yeah, because I mean, it, immediately, as soon as the offer was made, hey, you got some great mentors we're going to pair you with, you're going to learn from these guys, going to get the chance to learn from me. So I've never had anything like that before at a previous company. You know, it's it's not that you can't have a mentor at a small company necessarily, but if you're in IT, you, you run the risk of your mentor maybe not doing the same thing you do. You might could have a mentor that is sort of an industry-type mentor who knows the business and the industry well, but they may not know the tech and the nerdy stuff that you know real well. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I feel like we should also in the future, you know, adding to the long list of things that we should be talking about <laughs> is really just diving into mentorships, right? How to get them. Oh, yeah. What to target, you know, who to target for a mentor and then, you know, specific things that you you should be looking to get out of mentoring relationships. And, and on the other side, you know, if you want to mentor somebody, um, how to kind of make that known and, uh, right. you know, specific things that you should be offering. Cool. And things like how to join the John White School of Mentorship. <laughs> Besides just sending me a DM on Twitter at networknerd underscore, we can talk about pricing and package availability. <laughs> just just hit me up, folks. It's cool. So <laughs> let's say mentorship was something that you really wanted, but you didn't realize how much you wanted it until after you joined the company. And you know, you've asked about it, and it's not really a thing, or you don't have a mentor that is aligned with the things you want to do, maybe that's a reason you choose not to stay. Yeah, it's, it's very possible. Um, and it doesn't have to be right away. You could be very happy with other things. But then once you realize that this is not, you know, part of the company culture, you know, nobody um, is going to necessarily help you even in an informal way, um, then you know that that's part of that company culture, you know. Um, so, you know, n a number of things can go into the, you know, a negative uh, on the, you know, the negative side of the, the company culture ledger. And, you know, again, my personal things were, you know, learning smart people that were smart in different ways that I'm smart <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, um, mentoring and, and uh, teaching relationships. Right. So, you know, that if it's just not part of that company culture, then maybe it's, you know, a, a reason to, to look around um, and, and try to find that somewhere else. You know, maybe, maybe the other parts of that job are, are so fulfilling that, you know, those aspects of company culture are, you know, not, not as important, you know, in the overall balance of things, you know, maybe they're super involved in bringing families into the, the work family, right? And uh, do oh, yeah. sponsorships of, of local uh, activities, you know, or, you know, big brother, big sister program, you know, whatever it is that, you know, you find fulfilling. Um, maybe, you know, the there's one or two things that you, you don't really like, but they're, the overall balance is just incredibly positive, right? Um, you just need to, to figure out what it is that you're looking for in company culture, you know, the aspects of it that you find important and then um really you know start 
balancing that, you know, finding all the things that you like, how, how strong the company is in, in each one of those things. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, if you think about it, the company culture can actually shift and change as you are part of the company. It, it could actually get better in fun and innovative ways or, you know, if that part does not grow as the company grows, it may kind of get ignored and become something you miss. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. You know, oh, we're bigger now, so we can't do some of those things. Ooh. Well, right. things have changed and changed in a way that I don't like them. Right. Um, yeah. So, you know, advancing, I think that I kind of thought of that, you know, as a, as a form of staying, but, you know, maybe we could recontextualize that and um, talk about company culture advancing and changing. Um, you know, so if it isn't the way that you like it, but, you know, you make suggestions or you, you know, ask people in leadership whether, you know, these are changes that, you know, might be made and, and you're heard and the company culture actually does advance, then that might be a reason to stay. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe the company is kind of small and isn't used to promoting within or, allowing a role shift to, you know, their, their culture is not really a culture of promoting advancement within. And that's something you wanted. You're probably not going to stay. Mm, yeah. Very true. Very true. You know, finding people within to, uh, to push forward and, and, uh, you know, I, one thing I, I did realize you know, very recently is that um, paying attention to your people and their career advancement is a part of company culture. Um, uh, a senior director in uh, my organization came into town and brought all of the uh, systems engineers um, in the region into the city and, and, uh, and talk to them about some things, you know, we kind of did like a mini quarterly business review. Um, but one of the things that, you know, was a, a business, uh, agenda item for her was to talk about career advancement and to encourage all of us to, uh, think about where we wanted our careers to go, whether it was, you know, Hey, fine, I'm, I'm where I'm at and I'm happy, or I want to advance forward and kind of, uh, my, pre-existing technical role, but to, you know, make a role in title advancement, you know, uh, senior staff, senior staff, principal, you know, that ladder that we have within mm -hmm. VMware, um, or maybe I want to shift teams, or maybe I want to, you know, be a specialist, or maybe I want to be a people manager, you know, all of those things were on the table. Um, she encouraged us to think about it and, uh, and to develop a personal career plan. And, and if that is, you know, something that's coming from somebody in senior leadership, then, you know, then that's part of company culture, paying attention to career advancement. And if that's not, if that's not important to you, then that's not an important part of career culture or company culture. Right. But if it is, then, you know, it's a, it's a critical thing to hear from, from somebody in senior leadership. Yeah, I think that's great, man. I love it. I love the fact that 
it's being promoted from the top down. The fact that they want you to get better, and they're not so naive to think that you're going to work for company XYZ for the rest of your career. Because in today's society, that just doesn't really happen very often. Yeah, it's very true. You know, I think what's interesting is that, you know, in a larger company that has that as one of their, you know, stated um, goals is for people to advance their careers. It, my thinking is that it's it's actually a place where you can, you know, it's one of the few places where that's a legitimate thing, where you can stay for longer periods of time, you know, 10 years, 20 years, because you can, you know, technically have multiple, uh, multiple careers and multiple different roles. Actually, you know, it's interesting. Another aspect of our current company culture is, you know, um, cross-pollination of roles, right? And I don't know if you're aware of this, but we have this program called Take Three, where you can do three months in a different organization working in a different role. And um, maybe with a stated project, maybe it's just, you know, they need help doing something different. And, um, you know, I when I found out about that, I found that fascinating, you know, that that was an option, right? I think yeah, that is to, fascinating. You have to be a, have a certain tenure, I think like five years or something like that. But then you're eligible to to take a look at take three opportunities and different organizations will publish, you know, hey, you know, we have a take three opportunity. We're looking for somebody to come in, work on this project and then uh, and get it done, drive it to completion. Right. Um, we don't want to hire a full time person because there's not necessarily full time work after that this one project. But did you want to get a taste of what it's like to work in? I don't know, talent acquisition or product management or, you know, whatever. So. Very nice. Yeah. I'll have to look into that when the time comes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, four years and uh, 48 weeks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Me too. Countdown. Countdown has begun. I'm just three years ahead of you, man. that's that's right no wait i'm two years ahead of you (laughs) yeah two but i mean again like regardless of whether that's something that i'm eligible for right now um you know just having that as an option you know is indicative of company culture in my mind that they're specifically looking for people to cross-pollinate and acknowledge that sometimes people want to make career changes, right? You know, I've been doing this same thing for the past five, six years. I want a taste of something else. Maybe after that taste, I'll, you know, actually apply for a job in that different organization. And and maybe a taste of that organization is all I realized to, all I needed to realize that, you know, what I have and what I'm doing right now actually is, it's much more uh, preferable. You know, who knows? Mm Mm-hmm. And like you said, just knowing that is enough to know the organization cares and that they want everyone to better themselves so that they can better the company while they are tenured at the company. Right, right. And lack of a program like that is also indicative of something like either, you know, Actually, it, you know, it could be a spectrum of things, right? Like they, they have an informal version of it rather than a formal version. Um, you know, maybe they don't care, <laughs> right? <laughs> who, who knows, right? But, uh, 
just the presence was, you know, said something about company culture. And and our goal in talking about this is not to like provide like a long form like running ad for VMware. It's really just pulling from our personal experience um, and talking about, you know, diff- different aspects of company culture and programs and, and things that that really, uh, you know, add or, or detract. Yep. And the goal is really to expose you to the fact that these things are out there at different companies. And it, it may mean that you have to join a larger organization to get some of these cultural things because the, I mean, let's face it, the small business doesn't have the personnel to be able to do some of these things we're talking about. Cause they're not going to staff their departments Very well so. enough to, to have these yeah. opportunities. I mean, they're just not, times, you know, small companies don't have an HR department, you know, sometimes much less, you know, HR department that's thinking about programs to push people forward, right? So it really falls on to the people managers or maybe sometimes the directors, if if that even exists, depending on f- how flat the organization is. So right. Sometimes leaving is not um, a negative, just to kind of talk about that last point. Um, sometimes, you know, the company culture is so invested in you and your success that the company realizes that it's time for you to leave, right? Listen, you've grown beyond us. You know, we as an organization aren't growing fast enough to create, you know, the right environment for you and your next step. Like we're going to do everything we can. We're going to flex our muscles and, um, you know, uh, tap our, our networks uh, to, to find you a position, you know, the next logical position, you know, um, around here. And, you know, that can be a positive aspect of company culture too. Yeah, we hate to lose you, but you're too good to stay here in your current role. And we, you know, the next the next job up, you know, what you're looking for isn't vacant and we only have room for one. Um, So why don't you go get experience somewhere else? Maybe you'll come back to us when this position is available. I love that. And you know how some people have a song for everything. It's like I have a podcast for everything, John. So there was a there's an episode of Data Knots about the transformative CIO. And I don't remember the gentleman's name, but he talked about what a CIO does, what their responsibilities are. But one of the things he talked about in that podcast was exactly what you just said. Part of the CIO's job was to, if somebody is truly not the right fit, maybe they're too good for it, not good enough for a particular role, is to actually help that person find the right fit, whether it's on a different team or even with a different company, you know, kind of the Jack Welch mantra of loving the person on the way out like you loved them on the way in. Really cool stuff. I I would encourage anybody to go and and listen to that episode. I don't remember the number of it, but it was a good one. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good one. We'll look for that, um, that data knots and, and check it out. Like I said, everything I know I learned from data knots and geek whispers, right? (laughs) (laughs) Everything we talk about is just going to be a a rehash of one of those. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) And if you're, if you're leaving, you're probably going to have to have a resume written. So I bet that could be a good segue to the next segment. Oh yeah, absolutely. We have a segment on resume writing. Um, Resume writer. 
Oh, oh sorry. Your song? <laughs> yeah, that was my song. Awesome. <laughs> if you if you have a song for every segment entry, maybe that'll be our signature. It doesn't have to be that way, but uh, just think about it. <laughs> I'll have to work on it. Okay. Um, yeah, I wanted to to talk about resume writing because it's come up a bunch of times as I've uh, talked to people. I, you know, I'm kind of. Uh, looking through my network as I see opportunities at VMware, reaching out to people saying, hey, have you thought about making a move? You know, I know what you're doing right now, and this seems like, you know, what you're doing maybe a little bit larger, or, you know, um, I know that you're looking to make a move. So, you know, constantly kind of looking for opportunities. And a big part of that is, hey, send me your resume and I'll submit it. And, you know, I want to say... 60% 60% of the time I get the resume and I'm like, oh no, um, you know, it's, it's 70% of the way there, but like you've missed something about this process, the resume writing process. Um, so I kind of wanted to talk about it a little bit and I, I kind of, again, structured it, structured my thinking about it, um, this way, what's the point of resumes, um, solving the problem, uh, of, uh, uh, that the uh, the the people who actually need to read those resumes are, are trying to solve, and then uh, actually answering recruiter hiring manager questions like that. That's probably part of that solving the problem uh, point. But um, I, I I don't know. Like I think that uh, I think you're actually my referral right at VMware. Did I that's right. Did I ever edit your resume or make suggestions to you? Absolutely. You know, we, we talked about, you know, this goes back to the principle of go talk to people who do what you think you want to make sure it's really what you want. So you kind of helped educate me on what a systems engineer is, what they do, and you gave me some tips on, you know, you have good stuff on your resume, but if you wrote it this way to highlight the things they're looking for in this job description, you have a much greater chance of getting selected to get an HR screen, for example. Right. Because recruiters are looking for certain keywords and, you know, your resume may go through an applicant tracking system that helps bubble it up to the top. But, but yes, I think writing resumes are extremely difficult and it was very helpful to get insight from someone like yourself on, you know, am I highlighting the right things here? You're not lying, but you do want to bring to light the the experiences you've had that make you qualified for the job you're applying for. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's often easier for someone who knows you or knows things about you to look at your resume and go, wait a minute, that's not right. You know, you need to say that you did this because I know you did this. Right, right. Yeah, you know, so, you had me put the fact that I blog on there and that I right. did a session at this conference and that conference. Exactly. Yeah. They. It's interesting because a lot of people don't understand the process, right? For mid-sized or large-sized companies, you know, what, what that even looks like. So maybe, maybe I should talk about that from my perspective. Yeah. Not as a hiring manager because I'm not. But, you know, as somebody who's, you know, successfully gotten a couple of jobs over the last four or five years, um, you know, what my observations about that process were. And then um, I think 
some of it, again, I'm going to reference the uh, Manager Tools, Career Tools podcast family. Um, those guys are were really uh, useful, and I'll, I'll try to put some links to that in the uh, show notes as well to specific podcasts. But you know, the, you have to understand what that hiring process is. You know, at a mid-sized, large company, um, the hiring manager has a problem that they're trying to solve. They need somebody to do something, right? Either somebody left the team, or got promoted out of the team, or you know, the workload has grown to the point where they need to bring somebody in to to help out. And they've gotten budget approved, and so now they need somebody. So they go to a recruiter or an HR partner inside the company, or maybe who's a, a contractor, it doesn't matter. And they say, hey, I need to advertise a job listing for somebody to come in and help do this work. And part of that process is to list what the person needs to be able to do, right? This is what the job looks like. That's what the job description is. If the job description is going to have the primary responsibilities for that job on there. And so when you write a resume, your goal <laughs> is to um, answer the questions, can you do these things, right? And there's going to be some would be nice to have, you know, X, Y, and Z on there too. If you can answer how you have relevant experience there, then that is also useful. But you know, concentrate on those primary things. Um, I think we talked about it a bit in podcast number two, how, you know, people might have to overcome some uh, imposter syndrome um, to, to say, hey, can I, you know, I don't have, I can't do everything that's in that job description, right? Well, you know, if the person you know, if the perfect candidate existed who could do everything in the job description and had all the relevant, you know, optional stuff too, then, you know, they would probably just hire that person. But, you know, can you really find that person and hire that person? You know, sometimes the answer is no. And sometimes the answer is, you know, what is critical coming in and what is something that's learnable, you know, as you, after you get there, right? So right. if you have all the stuff that, you know, or relevant related experience for the things, you know, maybe not exactly that, but, um, you know, something that's very, very close to that, then, then that'll count for something. And, and that might be way more important. You know, the context that I knew this other thing is, is more important than knowing the exact thing that you're asking about. Right. Yeah. And I just want to break in real quick. I, had a recruiter tell me that the items listed at the top of the job description are the most important and the order of importance goes down from there. Would you buy into that, John? Has that been your experience? I would say that is how I would write the job description, <laughs> but I wouldn't count on that being always the case. Like I, okay. Um, you know, some, you know, I, I don't know there's definitely been cases where somebody said, Hey, you know, you know, write down a list of things, you know, most important to least important. And, and then I kind of agonize over the middle. Right. And then I come back six, <laughs> six weeks later and I go, Oh wow, I had this list wrong. Right. So, um, you know, that it might've been true, you know, at a snapshot in that person's thinking, but you know, might not be true, you know, as they're, you know, kind of doing the screening process. So, you know, it, it might be, but I, I think that, uh, that that's kind of uh, up in the air. Um, I would kind of, you know, sometimes it's the very last thing is the most important, you know, that's as silly as that sounds. <laughs> um, 
but I, I would imagine that they're trying to to scale it that way, right? Have them it be most important to least important. Um, but that doesn't mean that, hey, you know, I don't have the, the very top item, so I can't apply. Well, what if you're like 110% on the remaining items and that first thing that they're looking for is very, very teachable, right? Right. Um, yeah, that's a good point. And wasn't there a wasn't there a career tools podcast? I think you sent it to me a while back about format. You know, should it be one page? Should it be two pages? Oh yeah. Kind, you know, you talked about in a previous podcast about you had your kitchen sink resume, and then you would take components of that and place it into the resume you're submitting for this specific role or job that that fit it to a T, so to speak. And I think that's a, a great thing for people to know how to do because that's something you taught me. Right. right. You know, it's not, that's not something I knew to do because I hadn't really had that much experience with it. I just thought you were supposed to put as much stuff in there as you could. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I did all the awesome stuff yeah, I did. So, you, again, this comes back to, you know, who is the resume serving? And it's serving the very first person that it's serving is – the recruiter, right? So the recruiter has this problem that they're trying to get a list of qualified candidates to present to the hiring manager, right? Um, and how are they going to figure out whether you are a qualified candidate? They're going to look at the list of, of uh, they're going to look at the job description, and then they have to figure out from your resume whether you meet the requirements and the nice-to-haves in that job description. And if you don't put that all very, very early then you're going to at best be in the maybe pile, right? So right. even in, in today's, uh, um, you know, I would say a candidate-friendly market, you know, we're recording at the end of 2017 and it's, uh, you know, unemployment is very low and it's difficult to find qualified people. Um, but I, I would say even in that environment, there's still going to be for a good job that pays you know, a very good salary, there's going to be a lot of candidates. So if you have a hundred or 200 candidates to get through and you're trying to extract six good ones to advance, how much time can you spend as an HR recruiter looking at each candidate's resume to figure out if they are qualified? Like Not very much. Yeah, probably not a full minute, right? And probably not 30 seconds. I mean... I think this is where the kind of 15 second number comes into play. Like, can you answer the question? Hey, yeah, I, in general, I meet like the job descriptions requirements. And if I can tell in the first 15 seconds that that's the case, then you're going on the yes pile. And if you are like, you know, I can find 40%, 50%, then you're in the maybe pile. And then if I can't tell, then you're going in the no pile. I mean, that's as simple as it goes because you have to get through 100 or 200 candidates, right? Right, or your applicant tracking system is feeding you the top 15 or yeah. something. Yeah, exactly, right? So um, you really want to be able to, to meet those requirements and meet them in similar language in the job description, right? So if the job description says, you know, present um, you know information about our products to you know, medium and large group size groups of people, then you want to have something about, 
you know, your presentation skills to medium and large size groups of people, if you have it, right? Mm -hmm. um, if you don't have it, then don't put that down because... Jesus. Yes, do not lie. <laughs> what I mean, the, what's the absolute best case scenario of that? You get the job and then you can't do it? I mean, that's not actually a very good outcome, right? No, it's not. <laughs> not yeah. at all. So... Yeah, you're, so back to the point, you're trying to uh, get to that HR recruiter and get into the yes pile. And, I, and I'm talking about it like it's pieces of paper, but it's probably an applicant trafficking system where they're reading it on a screen, right? So you want to get coded yes for follow-up. And in, in that case, then they're going to do, you know, slightly, you know, so maybe it was 200 candidates and they get down to 20, right? So you're one of 20. Now, if again, it's very, very clear to the uh, recruiter that you've, you're very solid in all the, all the fundamental skills of the job, then you're going to get passed along and you, you might be one of the, um, in contention to be in the top five or top six. Right. And then, uh, so even then brevity and, and having it be in the, the, t the top third of your resume is answering the question of the job description and the bottom two thirds are, are kind of answering, um, you know, adding color and detail to that, um, that that's your sweet spot, right? In one page. But, yeah. And I think that's the hard part, the brevity, because you have to take all these accomplishments and things that you've done and number one, find the relatable experience to what you want to do, find the things that meet exactly the requirements of the job, highlight those quickly, but briefly. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, editing for language, right? Editing down to, to make it tight to to communicate what it is that you want to communicate, you know, for that job description um, in as few words as possible. That, that still gets the entire idea across. It's kind of a it's kind of an art, right? And, right. And generally, we don't have practice doing it because we don't apply for you know, 400 jobs a year. <laughs> and it, it is very much an iterative process. Ah. Uh, I know you like the fact that I worked that in, but it, it is. I mean, how many times do we go back and forth with tweaks? Mm. There were quite a few. Yeah. Okay. You tell me. I don't know. Was it four? Was it five? Six? I, I think it ten? was between four and six. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But and you, had, you know you had something it was solid up front you know i've that's uh that's a pretty good number of uh iterations because um, it, it i feel like that was just really kind of smoothing it out right getting that that fine polish uh kind of tweaking the language um and reordering things too right right John was the shoe polished to my scuffed up dress shoes. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. Not at all. I think it was just, just it's, um, you know, it, when you understand something from the inside, then you can clarify for somebody on the outside, right? Which is what we're trying to do. We're trying to scale that, you know, one-on-one -on -one advice to, you know, however many people happen to be listening to this, you know, who are in the IT field you know, think that they need to write a resume a certain way and don't understand what this process looks like, right? So, mm -hmm. yeah, adding color 
you know, again, is part of uh, solving the problem um, because, you know, the problem is ultimately the hiring manager needs somebody to actually do the job, right? So you need to communicate, you know, through your detail and the kind of bottom two thirds of the resume, you know, how you've actually solved this problem in the past, you know, this job description has like, you know, a skill requirement. Yeah, not only have I done that, but I've done that to th this degree. And maybe you can talk about um, a uh, set of projects where, you know, you exercise that skill over and over again, and maybe some measurable results, right? So if they put project management, then you can say, oh, yes, I managed, uh, you know, 17 uh, IT projects over the last three years with a total budget impact of this and a total return on investment of this other thing, right? So you yeah, can that's good. actually answer it, but answer it with metrics. So, you know, maybe earlier on you say, you know, you know, skills project manager below, you know, in your job description, you say, you know, one of my, um, you know, one of the things that I do is project management. And again, the detail on that project management. Yeah. And everything, every accomplishment or listing on that resume is something you should be prepared to talk about in detail. Yeah. Have absolutely. a story ready about everything so that if you need to highlight something because someone's asking you about it, you, you should be prepared for that. Absolutely. Because that is the interview process, right? Which we'll probably mm -hmm. get into in a, in a subsequent podcast episode, you know, Part of that interview process is the hiring manager or some other stakeholder, you know, looking at your resume, looking at one of the things that you've written down and saying, hey, tell me about this. So you have to be able to talk about it that way. Right. Um, you know, and have a story. Right. Tell me about a time when you were on a podcast talking <laughs> about resume writing. Right, right. Yeah, that's never come up. But I've never put it <laughs> on my resume. <laughs> well, now you can. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> um i i honestly can't imagine that i ever would unless you know i was a people manager right and uh um but even then you know i'm not sure how it would be relevant huh maybe you know good podcasting on my resume there you go yeah experienced podcaster <laughs> at this point uh we're recording our fourth unpublished podcast episodes so <laughs> that's probably we'll get there I put there yeah <laughs> we'll, we'll this will go out this will go out <laughs> yeah so solving the problems for the people the stakeholders in that resume you know reading process like you always have to write your resume thinking about them and that kind of you know um gets over into that answering the, the recruiter hiring manager uh questions right is this person qualified? Do they have the skills that I need to, to have this problem solved? You know, are they somebody that I can work with? You know, the, the are they the somebody I can work with question is going to be answered more by, you know, screening calls and in-person interviews. So um, maybe that's not as important. But if you, if you won a teamwork award, then that's probably something that you should put down so you can, uh, you know, get a head start on answering that early. Yes. Absolutely. Right. Unsung Hero Award, Teammate Award. 
somewhere on my desk, I have a flying information award. I, I hope that that's a good team. <laughs> there are all kinds. Again, it's another talking point. Definitely. Definitely. Well, I think that's kind of our first, uh, first um, attempt at talking about resume writing. And I'm sure that we'll have uh, other questions um, that come from our listening uh, audience and as always they can tweet at us um, at network journey nerd journey yeah. at nerd journey they can tweet at us at nerd journey you can tweet at network journey but i just don't know if it'll come to us <laughs> it definitely won't <laughs> one of the podcasts i listen to they say oh oh geez we're wrong about that um, if you want to tweet a correction to us, uh, tweet it at Ted Cruz. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to listen to him, hear him, but I'm sure he does. <laughs> wow, that's one way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's funny. Well, Nick, uh, I think that's it for that segment. And it's uh, pretty much all the topics that we had. So uh, anything else pop into your mind while we talk? I don't think so. Just a reminder, we, we want people to give us a positive review on iTunes if we're being helpful. And we're always looking for interesting questions to ponder. So definitely find us on Twitter, at Nerd Journey. Send us your nerd questions. What do you want to hear about? What do you like? What do you not like? Sign up for the John's, John White School of Mentoring slash Career Counseling. <laughs> I, I think you're in the, the John and Nick uh, version of that. Just listening to this conversation, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, farewell, listeners. Uh, tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm John White at V Journeyman for Nick Cordy at NetworkNerd underscore. Signing off. See you next time.